it's so good to see everybody. Y'all may be seated in the his house. Welcome to church. Man, we are in a good season of, of church and ministry. It is amazing. Tell you, this season of ministry is awesome. I am loving every aspect of it. Uh, you may notice that we're going a little bit, some places a little bit different during worship uh, than maybe when you first got here and and that is all by just the direction of the Holy Spirit's leading in my life and kind of where we're at and where we're leading the church, especially in this season of ministry in the world in which we live in. This is where we're going. Sometimes when uh, church people come to church here for the first time, they're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, and and they, they can perceive a certain model a certain way based off of their first experience. And uh, the reality is, man, we're full gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, We are a church after the unchurched. That is our mission. If we get away from that, we have no reason to exist. But we are reaching unchurched people and empowering them with the the message of Jesus Christ and the life of righteousness through his word and hopefully discipling them and helping them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, But with that, don't get it twisted. I mean, on Monday, we're praying Holy Spirit down inside of here. You'll You'll see us on Monday as a staff right inside of this atmosphere, worshiping, setting the tempo for our week and uh, interceding on behalf of you guys. And uh, it's just a powerful thing which God is doing. And so um, Monday, we have a worship night. It's going down in Jesus' name. Uh, so if you thought this was a little messy, get ready for Tuesday night. Uh, it's going to be get real, real. Um, but we're going to be praying some Holy Spirit down into our circumstances, our situation. If somebody needs some healing, you better believe we're going to be like, yes, Jesus, we're going to be praying for it. The Bible does say when there's a sick among you, anoint them and pray for the power of God over their life. They shall recover. Come on, somebody. We believe in the Bible. It is real. It didn't die with the apostles. The power didn't die with the apostles. It's alive and well today in Jesus' name. So we uh, would love for you guys to be here. I, mean, I don't know how we're going to do it. But I think we have signups for Tuesday night, so only a certain amount of people. So you better go probably why I'm speaking right now, if you want to come. Um, and maybe we're going to have to do two worship nights this week, Tuesday and Wednesday. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, if the first one signs up, y'all need to let me know after this service. Is it already, is it already full? Oh, no. no, you need, okay. So you got to go on the app. Is it the app? And you got to go on the website to get here for Tuesday night, worship night. We're coming to the end of our fast. So essentially that's what we are doing. Now, you may be here thinking like, man, what in the world's going on? We have a chaotic world in which we live in. Why is this stuff happening? You know, you may be a little frustrated with the dynamics of this world, but let me just, let me just be clear. And I think some, need, some people need to hear it. God is still on the throne, no matter what's going on in our country here today. Um, you know, I saw the executive order that was passed this past week on, you know, late term abortions being able to be happen again and kind of the stall that happened inside of there. And I look at a baby right here from two new people that are here today, uh, Micah and Carly, there you go. And they have their newborn son here. But I just think about all the lives that have been destroyed through abortion and, uh, the evil people that exist in order to make this, make it available to people. Right. Um, and, uh, it's just sad that, I mean, I see a baby like that, that, you know, just people, I, I say it in a very graphic way that a baby would chopped, be chopped up in the womb, but that is the reality of what's going on. If we remove ourselves from the reality of what's going on, we won't face the evil that it truly is. And we will advocate on behalf of individuals that try to portray, try to live out this evil and make this evil uh, happen inside of our society here today. So let's, let's be careful that, man, our God, no matter how dark it gets inside of our country, how, how dark we feel like it's getting, God is still on the throne and his power is still alive. 
You can look throughout history where darkness has come in and evil has been lived out here on this earth. You can look at the prophets of Baal, where it's just evil rampant inside of Jerusalem. But man, Elijah, a man of God, knew the power of God, said, you know what, let's put them to the test. And basically, you know, he brought them all together and they put up the altar and the whole thing happened. But uh, God just laughed. I mean, literally, Elijah laughed at these prophets because they were running around chanting, doing all this crazy stuff, trying to get their gods to perform these you know, this powerful miracle and whatever it was going to, you know, to lap up this sacrifice. But ultimately what God did is he showed up in Jesus name, lapped up all of it and showed his power. And if we're not careful as, uh, as believers, we can get so frustrated with the bleakness and the darkness of people in power today that we can lose sight that our God is all powerful. Yes, we may live in some pain, but the, the, the light shines the darkness or shines the best inside of darkness. And when we feel like we are at the, the, our weakest or maybe at, we have no power, man, when we are weak, the Bible says he is strong in Jesus' name. And so we have a God that is all powerful. No matter how bleak it gets, let's keep on holding on to faith. Our God is all powerful and believing that he can do what he wants to do in Jesus' name. Amen. But we are in a series we've been talking about. It's back to the basics over the past couple of weeks. Okay, I got 24 minutes, so I got to go fast. 24 minutes. Um, Back to the basics. In week number one, we talked about belief, that belief that man, we can, God can still raise things back to life. I mean, you've gone through a year, 2020, uh, where it was a pandemic for pretty much 10 months out of the year, mid-February, shutting it down, and we're still kind of in the pseudo-shutdown realm. But you know, things happen in that realm where you get out of that rhythm. And, and for me, I was like, you know, 2020 was such chaos. It's time to get back to the basics and the fundamentals of life to get our lives rolling again. So week number one, we talked about belief and getting our belief back in order. Week number two, we talked about prayer and fasting. And we're in the middle of a fat, well, or at the back end of fast, praise Jesus. Uh, on Tuesday, we, the fast is over in Jesus name. That's so awesome. It's, I feel, it feels good even saying it. Uh, I feel fuller already and without lack. Um, no, I fine. I spiritually feel great. Um, but we talked about prayer and fasting. And then we talked about the mind and, and getting our mind in control and man, getting, you know, making sure that it's not a garbage dump, but it truly is a garden that things are growing on the inside of it. And last week we talked about generosity. And man, if we talk about that every weekend, we wouldn't have a church. People like deuces on that place. But we talked about generosity and first fruits and being uh, obedient tithers and bringing it into the storehouse and testing God in this area to see his goodness and his faithfulness through this. And today I want to talk about our bodies. That's right. Our bodies. So you want to write this cross topic paper, write this cross topic paper, body care, body care. How many of you guys have those places in your life where nobody else gets to see them, but you do. And it's the places in which you get to, you just allow clutter. You just allow the chaos. It just gets crazy. It gets cluttered. You know, you, you don't care because nobody else sees it's your one spot. It's like, it's all dirty and nobody. So when I was a teenager, my room was that. Go on, he's struggling with some teenagers to get their room in order, right? When I, when I was a teenager, my car was that, right? It's like, I didn't wash that thing. Why did it need to be washed? I don't care. You know, did I clean it on the inside? No, it's just getting me from point A to point B, and I'm living la vida loca in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> living a crazy life, running here and there and everywhere. I mean, I think everybody in here has those places and spaces that we just allow them to get dirty, but other places that we keep clean, right? There's like that... With those places. And there's a guy in our church that has a Corvette. And I think almost every week, if not at least once a month, he's getting a guy to come clean his car with like a, a, a Q-tip, right? It's immaculate. It's like immaculate, right? Now we can find ourselves sometimes in our lives where depending on our level of value will, term, will determine our level of care, 
when you get down to it, it comes down to the level of value will determine the level of care. And, and depending on it, it, how much you value it and how much you're like, okay, well, then I'm going to put a lot of care around it. It's like with the car. The, the, we have a, um, with a car, man, it's like, man, I really value this thing. As I remember when I first got my Tesla, I'm like, no. Like, you cannot eat in this. You know, six months down the road, I'm like just throwing chicken nuggets at my kids. Like, eat it. Hopefully you can catch it. You know, <laughs> who cares, right? <laughs> but I think sometimes in life, we can find ourselves in a place where um, if we're not careful, we will lose sight of our own bodies and value over our own bodies. If we're not careful, we will lose sight and be like, you know what? I'm not necessarily going to take care of this thing. Although this is a temporary space in which we get to occupy, our souls get to occupy for a temporary amount of time. And we get to determine ultimately how we take care of it that could determine the longevity of it. So if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in a place where we've lost value or maybe sight of it. And now today we're not caring how God cares about it. So number one, if you want to write this down, you can write our bodies are a temple of God. I think that's how I said our bodies is a temple of God. Our bodies are a temple of God. You can look at in, um, um, all throughout the, the Old Testament, God had put a, a priestly order over the temple, and uh, Aaron was the first priest, and, and uh, you know, he, he raised up a generation. There was a whole tribe of, of Israel dedicated to the temple and the care over the temple, and they would really take care of the, pre- the place in which God's presence dwelt. You look at the Old Testament, God's presence dwelt in the temple. It was a space and a place. They would come to this place to make sacrifices, and that's where God's presence dwelt. And so the, the priests were... were um, were commissioned in order to take care of the temple. I mean, they were, it was immaculate. They made sure everything was nice and neat because it was a temple dedicated towards God and they wanted to be presentable towards him. I mean, they had it in order. And one of these things is, is like, this is one, what God has called us, that we each have a body that is a temple. And I think about the care that was given, the priest took over the temple. And then maybe are we taking that same care over our own selves? So the scripture we were running out of here today is 1 Corinthians uh, 6, verse number 12 through 20. And I'll read it all the way through. But this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. Corinthian, uh, Corinth at that, mo- that moment in time is a wealthy city. They're a wealthy place. Um, you know, uh, it's the New York of America in Greece. It was a wealthy port town. And usually what happens throughout history and, and, and throughout time that when there's excess when there's a lot of excess in life, it's very easy to get off course uh, of righteousness. And here they are in a place where they're dealing with sexual immorality. They're dealing with a lot of things. I mean, uh, Paul's having to step into this church and really encourage them in a lot of different concepts and ideas that are contrary to the will of God. And, but this specific one that he's speaking towards, he's going to talk towards sexual sin, but he's going to bring out a few con- uh, ideas inside of here that our bodies are temples and God cares about these things. So if we just, we'll go through it and I'll talk through it. So go with me for a second. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 12. He says, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. So they're making an excuse at this moment in time. We can do anything, right? Anything's acceptable. But he's like, yeah, yeah, but not everything's good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Let's be careful inside of here, right? I can do anything, but I can't be a slave of anything. Now, here's a, here's a key statement in here that we need to hear. And sometimes in the church world, this can get a little interesting. Um, we can sit here and excuse away decision-making all day long that we want. 
We can justify whatever we want to justify if we, you know, if we're struggling with it. But the key thing he's trying to say is nothing should be a slave over you. You should be a slave to nothing. You should only be a slave to Christ. And that is it. You should be a slave to his will, his design, his plan, what he's asking you to do, you know, whatever Christ has asked us to do. That's what you should be a slave, but you should never be a slave to anything. You know, sometimes we can lose sight of this in the church world. And, and this is what the church that I grew up in was charismatic. And uh, it was all about sin and, and turn and burn, you know, turn or burn, you know, it was a very legalistic environment, which I grew up in. It was like, you can't, you can't watch, you know, movies and you know, you can't, you can't listen to music and it's all sinful. You can't drink all sinful. But, but the, the, the hard part for me growing up was that it was, it was teaching behaviors is behavior modification as opposed to heart modification. Because heart modification leads to behavior modification. But if you're just talking about behavior modification and not bringing it back to heart modification, then it all becomes about the behaviors. And then once we have this sinful desire to operate in the behaviors, then it leads towards shame when we can't overcome those things rather than the power of God transitioning our hearts and then we no longer do those things. And so I would, I would hear pastors all the time, I mean, no lie, the big thing back in the day was alcohol. No alcohol, you can't drink any alcohol. Well, the Bible clearly doesn't say that. I mean, it clearly doesn't say that. I mean, Jesus, what is it? Jesus picked up a glass of wine and gave thanks for it. Then he passed it around to all of his disciples. They drank wine, okay? Jesus was accused of being a drunkard and a, a, a partier, essentially. Why? Because he was hanging out with sinners, probably having a drink, identifying with them and connecting with them and relating with them and helping them. And they were like, oh, that boy, he's a drunk. Obviously, Jesus wasn't a drunk. So I would hear people, I would hear people in the church world be like, drinking, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at this guy, no lie. I'm looking at this pastor preaching and the dude is clearly 200 pounds overweight. Clearly. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so God has called us, one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Self-control. Control in all areas, that we don't lose control of our thoughts that leads us towards hate and anger that we're murdering people in our minds. We have self-control. We have control over our spending and our desires that we don't live a life of greed, right? Because we're more, 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 as we talked about last week. We live a life of self-control in every aspect of our lives, even when it comes to eating, even when it comes to food, right? Where it's in self-control, where it's not in this excessive place. And these same people, and I mean, alcohol is the same thing. Excessive drinking, and, you know, excessive drinking can lead towards alcoholism. You can't get around those things, right? But there's nowhere in the Bible that speaks that these things you can't do X, Y, and Z, right? What it's speaking to is don't be a slave to anything and live a life in control where you are only a slave to Christ and you are living a life to honor him and him alone. If something you are giving yourself over to, now if, you, now if you've got a problem with spending or drinking or whatever, now it's time to say, God, we got to get this under control. Maybe it's eating, whatever it is. We got to get this under control. So we got to be very careful in the church world that we do not get legalistic because we're, having, we're pushing for behavior modification. We are always living from a place of uh, uh, surrender towards God and his will that we have heart modification that leads us to a life of living where our behaviors are in alignment with him. Make sense? Cool. That's something clear I want to make. The same thing, um, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so verse number 13, you say food was made for the stomach 
and the stomach for food. This is true, though some, uh, someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. So they were trying to excuse, hey, uh, well, our stomachs were made for food and food made for our stomachs, so we can just eat, whatever. It doesn't really matter. So they're trying to use the same concept over towards their sexual immorality. Well, we, we can, you know, we have these things. I'm, I see some teenagers in here. I'm trying to like slow it down, right? I'm slowing my roll real quick. I'm like, hey, Jesus' name. Uh, but they're basically saying we have this and there's this, and so we should be able to do this. And he's like... Right? Did that make sense? We go there. All the adults are like, yeah, that sounds exactly right. Yeah. But they're trying to excuse their immorality based off of the natural functions. And he's like, no, 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 no. So he brings it back to a place on our, the, the, um, our bodies were made for the Lord. And he, the clear statement we can make inside of here is the Lord cares about our bodies. The Lord cares about our bodies. Now, he's speaking in a different context, but the same thing is true. He cares about our bodies. So moving on, and God raised us from the dead by his power, just as he raised the, the, our Lord from the dead. Verse number 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes a body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So this is a key statement that needs to be heard. And I'll just come a little bit off topic. But your body is a key deal. Sexual immorality talks about on the front here, run from sexual sin. No other sin affects the body like this. We live in a culture today that says test drive everything before you actually sign up to purchase it. What is it doing? It, it's, you're creating spiritual soul ties in the process. You are linking yourself with all these different people everywhere. And it's jacking up your soul. One of the first things what we, we did when we were on retreats, we haven't done retreats in the past seven years. We need to do them since we started the church. We did them with my dad's church. One of the things we would do is, is have a whole sexual purity conversation to say, hey, let's, let's break these sexual soul ties that are in your life that has happened with all these different individuals around you because you become one with them the moment you got into a physical encounter with them. And unless you cut that spiritually, you are jacked up in your soul with them. It doesn't matter if you're married or not you got to spiritually break that soul tie. And so this is what you got to be careful with, especially if you uh, are an individual that, that has jumped into the area of lusting and you're getting online and uh, you're in a world of pornography. Every time you're joining into those, those atmospheres, there's soul ties that are going on because it's happening right here in your mind. Jesus says, you look with lust, you've already committed adultery inside of your heart. we got to be very careful in this world that we're not justifying cultural standards and ideas um, and, and justifying them in our lives, but it's actually completely contrary to God's word. We got to be very careful. So verse number 18 says, run from sexual sin to other sin clearly affects the body as this one does, as I said a minute ago, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is, a, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God brought, bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now, one of the values that we used to speak of early on, we, we don't, it's not necessarily a value of ours anymore, but early on in our church when we started it, one of the values was this. We would say it this way. This is our 66 Mustang. This is not our rental. This is a 66 Mustang. It is not a rental. 
And that was a conversation towards ownership. If we are owners in this house, then we value this place, so therefore we care for this place. And so we just have ownership now and we speak towards that today because if you actually care about this place, then you're gonna you know, give towards it, you're gonna pray towards it, you're gonna invite people to it, you know, you're gonna be a part of the church community if you're an owner in here. If not, you're just gonna show up like it's a rental. Freaking awesome, right? That's the first thing you do whenever you get a rental. It's a four-cylinder, but you're gonna see how fast that four-cylinder can go. And it never, it never surprises you, right? It's like, yeah, it's slow. It's slow. That's why I didn't buy the four cylinder, right? And even with that, you'll throw stuff all over a rental. But if it's your 66 Mustang, there's going to be a lot of care behind it. Now, what you see inside of here, Paul's trying to bring this importance to, you were bought with a high price. And because of the high price you were bought with, that should bring a level of appreciation to you that you value that thing, so there you, therefore you care for it, right? Because it's, it's a matter of value. If you don't value, you don't care. Where there is value, then there is care. And, and we can live this life so, so all over the place and running on, uh, on fumes that we stop we stopped caring about the very thing that God cares about. I mean, God cares about this temple in which we have, this thing in which we get the opportunity in order to manage. We make decisions on ultimately how we care for it, right? I mean, it's like the relationship. The first time, the first, uh, first time you get married, uh, the first time you get married, <laughs> probably shouldn't say it that way. When you get married, there we go. <laughs> when you get married, there's a lot of value there. You understand the value, right? Because literally you're looking at the ring that cost you a lot of money. And so you're like, I got a lot of investment here. Uh, what do you want, babe? I'll do anything for you. Right? That's what happens. There's a lot of value. Now, what happens later down the road? You lose sight of that value. And the moment you lose sight of the value, appreciation diminishes. And when appreciation diminishes, it's like, uh, girl, you got to figure it out yourself. <laughs> I love you, but not like that. Okay? Just playing. We love you like that. But what happens? If we, if we allow in our own lives the level of value to diminish towards our spouses and or our friends, the same thing with friends, then our level of care will diminish also. And this is something that is always an attention to manage in a relationship. You cannot get around it. It's not like you get married and all of a sudden it's like, I, I care for this person for the rest of my life. Never have any. No, it's always an attention to manage. Am I valuing this person? Am I seeing the value of them? I mean, it's a constant reminder for me because Heather and I's life are just crazy. I'm taking care of kids. She's delivering. She's going to deliver babies at night. She, you know, I'm on, she's on call and I'm watching them all day. And then I'm preaching the next day. It's chaotic. And sometimes I'm like, Dr. Cadell, I don't like you. <laughs> Why is that? But I pull back and I'm like, but this is who God has given me. And he's called us to be in mission and co-mission together in order to reach the world. She's bringing him in. I'm caring for him through it. This is what we do. So it's, it's me bringing it back to a place of appreciation that leads me towards the value that puts me in a place to say, I'm going to continue to care for. And if we lose sight of that, we're going to find ourselves where our living, the same thing is true. Our bodies were bought with a high price. I mean, God has given his son, the perfect son out of heaven, come down, live in life, and he died for us. If we, if we understand that value on like he gave it all for us, man. Now we got to take care of this temporary temple in which he's given us. He cares, so we should care. He cares, so we should care, right? Now, uh, so here's a couple different things on how we can care over our bodies, right? 
Uh, so number two, if you want to write down how to care for what God cares about, how to care for what God cares about. Matthew 22, verse number 37, they would ask the, uh, they would ask Jesus, what are the greatest commandments? He would say, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. What is he saying? Mind, soul, body, get it all together, honor God with it, love God with all of it, get it all into alignment. So, um, the, how you care for your body. One, the first thing off the bat, and we talked about this a little bit, avoid sin. Avoid sin. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says it this way, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Verse number 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. First thing, avoid sin. Key thing he's saying inside of here is you got to get these behaviors out of you. You got to remove yourself from this environment where you're allowing these behaviors to exist on the inside of you. This bitterness and this rage and this anger, these harsh words, he's speaking towards a certain select thing, but it's all things that happen here that now you can live a life of murdering everybody around you every single day. That affects your body, right? We said it around here many times. Unforgiveness is like taking poison, thinking it's going to hurt somebody else, living in resentment of somebody else, but actually it's only hurting you. It's poisoning yourself. Get rid of, you know, this sin of rage and anger and frustration. Operate in forgiveness. Forgive easy. Be a person that forgives easily, right? Forgive unless we will not be forgiven ourselves. So get out of this place and, and have a place where, man, we can um, avoid sin. Another thing Jesus would say in Matthew 5, verse 29, he says, if your eye, even your good eye causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So this is a, it's a matter, and he would go on to say, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut off your right hand. It's a, it's a gouge or cut out conversation he's trying to have. He's trying to confront, I mean, Jesus is confronting the sin that maybe exists in your life and whatever is causing you to sin, live a life where you're, you are getting this out of your life. Cut it out if you got to gouge it out and or cut it off. And this is a statement maybe towards some friendships in your life. I'll just say, gouge it out, cut it off. Same concept. His whole thing is it's much better for the whole, uh, your whole self not to go to hell than a part of yourself to go to heaven, right? And so today, maybe there's some behaviors that you've built up where, man, you're hanging around with the wrong people. They're toxic individuals. They like to gossip. They like to tear everybody else down. And you're sitting here thinking like, man, I'm trying to avoid this mentality and this thinking. So maybe I need to cut this relationship off, right? Maybe if I'm in, uh, I'm in a place where I'm hanging around somebody that's all about the next thing and more stuff and uh, more money and uh, they're just more and more and more as we talked about last week. Maybe it's time to cut the relationship out. Maybe it's your own. You have spending. Maybe it's time to gouge out that spending, try to gouge that out of your purse, get that credit card out of your purse in Jesus' name. <laughs> but maybe it's a gouge or cut out conversation. Like you've got to remove these things out. Sometimes we want to blame it on the place. Man, the club is the problem. If that club wasn't there... I would be totally fine. I'd be, the, I'd be a saint in Jesus' name. But that club is there, so I have a problem, you know. So it's all the club's fault. But take responsibility for that. Be like, no, it's not the club's fault. It's my fault. I got to change my behaviors. I got to cut that out of my life. Maybe we're living on the edge and we're working too much and we're not building a lifestyle and behaviors where we can work out and we can exercise. It's all excess, right? We're eating, overeating through stressed out. We're just buying from restaurants, getting taking in nothing clean, nothing healthy, not taking a juice from vital elements in Jesus' name. <laughs> Is it vital? Vital elements. Yeah. 
which they just started their company. Their two business owners are here, started their company. Amen. We love entrepreneurship at Pearl Street. You got to get it. Got to put something in your heart. You better do it before somebody else does. If it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. He's going to get his will done in Jesus' name. Um, but it's a, it's a gouge it out. Maybe you got to cut something off, gouge it off. Maybe it's just straight running from it. I heard an individual that was struggling in a certain area of his life and uh, he gave his life to Christ. And man, he, he walked away and was, was out of the community for a long period of time. And he had to go back on a business trip and somebody noticed him. And from the old days, it was like, what's up? And started running towards him. And he's like, deuces. He started running away. And they're like, what's up, man? He's like, I ain't about this life no more. Sometimes you got to run away from these things that cause sin inside of our lives. We got to get it out. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's getting an accountability partner on your computer that they can see your search history and they're following along with you. Maybe for you, it's you're never on your computer at home. You're only doing it in public to keep you away from those things. It's much better to cut it off, cut it out than it is for you to live a life of sin that puts you in a, in a place where you may go to hell. Make sense? So we got to avoid sin. Taking care of the thing God cares about, we got to avoid sin. The second thing is we got to rest up. We got to rest up inside of our lives. Some of us are living on the edge. We get four hours of sleep. They say it's research shows that seven to eight hours is the best part of sleep. Between 10 and three o'clock is when you get the best REM sleep. Get in that place where you can be refreshed and revitalized. Some of us going to sleep at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, waking up at six, running on the ends, burning on both ends and figuring out like, why do I feel like this? I don't feel healthy and I can't lose that weight. I just don't understand what's going on. I feel like I'm, I'm mad all the time. I'm just cranky. You know, I feel like I'm moody, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's called you're not resting, right? Your body's not getting restored. Your mind's not getting restored through rest. Your body's not getting restored through rest. Um, so rest up. Exodus 20, verse number eight. What it says about a commandment here, and this is a good reminder, and we all know it. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a uh, Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your, do uh, uh, the Lord, your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, and your daughters, your male and your female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. Let me just tell you, uh, set it apart as holy. Let me just tell you, you are not as good as God. I'll just throw it out there. And this really does come down to a trust conversation also. We talked about trust a minute, uh, a couple weeks ago when it came to trust inside of our mind. We don't want to be double-minded, as James talked about. That God can do it. I don't know if he will do it. God can do it. We don't want to be double-minded. It's a trust conversation. Can he do it or can he not do it? If you don't believe he can do it, then don't ask him to do it. But if you believe he can do it, ask for it. It's the same thing here. If you believe God's word is true, just like Chick-fil-A in Jesus' name, you can't get Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Why? Right? <laughs> They truly believe that it is a day of rest and they built it into their corporation. They are one of the top grossing fast food restaurants. I know we're talking about fast food, not eating that, but you know, they are the best food and it is the Lord's chicken and there's a blessing around that chicken in Jesus name. Amen. But do you believe you're as good as God? God spent six days building and he took the seventh day to rest. So what am I saying? Yeah. Come to church on Sunday. Rest up, hang out with your family, take them to a park, have fun. But trust God for the next six days that he's gonna increase your life. He's gonna give you the wisdom necessary in order to build. He's gonna give you the strength necessary to be a good, punctual employee that shows up and is responsible, that you have the right credibility to get the promotion. You're not just asking for promotion, but living a life of chaos. 
right? You're trusting God through the order of what God has put up. So rest up. Third thing is eat well, eat well, eat well, eat well. I got to go fast, apparently. Eat well. Yes, I do. Okay, amen. Uh, Eat well. Proverbs 23, verse 19 through 21, it says, My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. Number 20, do not carouse with drunkards, excess, or feast with gluttons, excess, for they are on their way to poverty and too much sleep. Close them in rags. What is he saying here? A life of excess drinking will lead to a life of slumber. A life of excess eating will live a life of slumber, right? It's excess. Eat well. Make different decisions about your eating. The quality in will determine the quality of living. Quality in, quality of living. I love Piedras Negras on South Laredo Street. I will get the number one that is two enchiladas, rice and beans, a taco, and a chalupa in Jesus' name. I will. It's amazing. I know exactly what it is. But if I ate that every day of my life, there would be too much excess, right? We are the number one importer, or Houston is the number one importer of cheese right there in Houston. My wife just said this last week, or yesterday night at dinner, the fast, the hardest thing for her on the fast is cheese. She just loves cheese, loves it. Apparently, she's still a slave to something, not me, but her. So we're praying for her in Jesus' name. But eat well, make different choices. What is coming into your body? Make some different choices inside of your life. It literally can change your whole life. You know, the individual that sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the Hawaiian, incredible song, Somewhere Over, not that one, but another one that sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I don't know the exact tune. You know how it goes? No, you don't, okay. But he passed away from a massive heart attack. He was way overweight. His gift and his talent could have been a blessing to the world for a hundred years, but he made choices inside of his life to not care for what God cared about, his, his temple. And because of that, he ate himself right into a heart attack. Now, I understand this is a hard conversation. Let me just tell you today, this conversation may be directed, direct, you're like, dude, I, I, yeah, I'm struggling today. I'm not eating healthy. I feel the effects of this. It's all over the place. My body's in, in shambles. My, my mental, I'm just clogged up. I, uh, you're always tired. You want to take a mid-afternoon nap every single day. You know, you're just like on edge, right? And this is your life. This conversation may be directed at you, but understand last week may have been directed at somebody else. And the week before that, when I'm talking about somebody's mind, it may be directed at somebody else. And then the week before that, when I'm talking about prayer and fasting, it may have been directed at somebody else. And if we sit here today saying, you know what, pastor, why are you talking about this? I'm just being led by the Holy Spirit to have the conversation necessary to benefit our church and help them grow. That's it. And so today, this may be directed at you, but just maybe God is trying to say something to you. Maybe the gift of your life today is not meant to end at 69 or not meant to end at 54, but it's meant to end whenever. 85, 90, but it could change here today. This could be the moment in time that it changes for you. That this conversation could be the thing that saves your life. That you're saying, pastor, you're talking about this real conversation. It's something that we all have to deal with because we all have to put food in our mouths in order to fill our bellies, to have the right nutrients and the right calories in order to exist inside of our lives and move forward as a people. Yeah, we all got to eat. But the question is, is there control around the eating? If there's no control around the eating, maybe we got to change that up a little bit. Maybe there's all just intake, but there's not actual exertion, right? That's the thing about how you become really religious. 
It's all intake, but not application of the word. You just know the word, but you don't know how to apply the word. So you just exist with judgment in your head. So now you're just judging the rest of the world. That's called spiritual immaturity over overeating of the word, but not enough living of it. And now you're just a religious individual. It's religious. The same concept is at play here. Now, eat a lot of the word. Please eat a lot of the word, but let the word transform you in Jesus' name so that you actually live the word. Don't get me wrong. Live it. The same thing. We got to have self-control around our lives, man. What are we putting in and what do we move forward with? There's multiple times throughout the Old Testament where the temple, the very place in which God's presence dwelt, certain kings would come along and lose sight of remembrance of who God was and allow other gods to be represented in that temple. Manasseh was one of the, the, uh, the clear ones in 2 Chronicles. Manasseh was a king that came in. He worshiped other gods. He did evil things in the sight of the Lord. He put objects of idols in the, the temple. And man, it got chaotic. And let me just tell you, the last thing I'll leave you with is maybe it's time to get some of these idols that you set up that are more important and you are caring more for these things in your life than you are for the very temple God has given you. And it's time to get these idols out of the temple. It's time to get these excessive behaviors out of the temple. What did Jesus do whenever they were, they used the temple as uh, uh, the money changers were used in the temple? He rolled up on that place. They were misusing the temple. He flipped over those tables. And what did he say? My house will not be a den of thieves. It will be a place of worship. That's what it will be. What am I doing today? I may be flipping the change tables over on your life here today to say, stop using your temple misusing your temple. Stop misusing your temple. God cares about it. You should care about it. Whatever you need, maybe you got to cut some things out. You got to move some things. Maybe there's some bad thinking. Maybe don't go on social media. Maybe some bad behaviors inside your life. You're like, you know what, today I'm starting today. Today's the day of salvation. Give your life to Christ. Today's the day of changing your habits and your behaviors to change the outcome of your life, the existence of your life. Man, there's people that need you to be alive in 10 years. There's people that need you to be alive in 20 years. Come on, it's time to change the behavior. Remove the idols, these things that you've allowed to come in and defile this temple. Deal with it right now. Deal with it right here today. Now, I've talked about this. This is a very practical message I'm coming to you. Man, I like preaching. Ah! But God has me in. Let's talk practical here today. This is real deal. Back to the basics, fundamental. You got a body, you got to care for the body. If you don't care for it, who else is going to care for it? If you lose appreciation for what's been given for it, Christ Jesus has been given for it, then maybe you won't care for it. Whatever the Holy Spirit's put in your heart right now to say, I got this one thing and man, it is defiling me. I got to avoid some sin. Man, I got to get it. Man, I got to start exercising. Man, I know it. Man, I got to start changing my eating habits. I can't do that anymore. At the age of 29, I told y'all, I made a massive shift in my life because I thought my youth would sustain my bad habits. Reality is my body couldn't keep up with it. I was defiling it every step of the journey. So start somewhere. Don't go start today. Like I'm gonna start exercising. We're gonna go for a 10 mile run. You are going to kill yourself. Okay. Just gonna throw it out there. Okay. You're gonna, you're gonna do it right now. Okay. Walk a mile for three months. Walk two miles for six months. Spend some time, right? Don't eat out once a week as opposed to five days a week, right? Take your, take your food to lunch that you're making in the house. Take it to work with you. It's just simple behaviors that absolutely could change your entire life. But God cares about this temple, right? He's bought us with a high price. And if you know some things that God has put on the inside of your heart here today, I don't need to get the hair on the back of your necks to step up by preaching something right now. 
for you to do it. You already got the conviction of the Holy Spirit to go do it. I say go in the name of the Lord and accomplish what God has set out to do. Don't give up when it gets hard. Keep on plugging away. It takes 21 days to form a habit, three days to lose it. Keep on doing the right things to care for the temple God has given us. Amen. We are in a dark time in our world. We need to be the light of this world here today. And we can't do it if we're all defiled and jacked up with sin, bad eating habits, no exercise. Man, we got to change our habits. Amen. So let's pray. God, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity. Lord, anything you've spoken in this time to each one of us, Lord, we pray that right now that we are going to determine in our lives and our heart, God, that what you've put on the inside of us, we're going to see this through. God, maybe it is a lack of healthy eating and exercise, God, that we are living in here today. Father, I pray today that, Lord, there's new behaviors that are rising up on the inside of each one of us, God. That, Father, the outcome and the living, the quality of the intake is gonna, will determine the quality of our life, God. And we just pray, Lord, that individuals that, Father, have struggled in this realm for a long time. And, God, they've been able to justify it through multiple different means. I just pray that the lie of the enemy, the voice of the enemy in their lives, Father, would be shut up in Jesus' name that no longer is eating a coping mechanism, no longer is drinking a coping mechanism, no longer are they excusing themselves. The pain that they've experienced in the past does not justify the excessive living today. Jesus Christ, you died on the cross, and today, at the cross, all things are dealt with. So, Father, we just pray for the abuse of the past, the pain of the past, that, Father, at the cross, it is dealt with here today. Your blood is covering it in our lives, God. Father, no longer justifying bad behavior, bad rhythms in Jesus' name. Father, what has been committed in the heart here today, Father, may it be set in stone for their life. Father, see them through, get them through the, get them, uh, the strength necessary to press through hard times and, and develop a new habit and a new rhythm, God. Father, we pray for long life in Jesus' name. I decree it over our church. A long life and vitality in Jesus' name and healthy living and healthy generations beyond them. Father, may this be a church holistically that honor yous, mind, body, and soul. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen and amen.